You're listening to the Clergy Chick Podcast. My name is Rhonda Blevins. I'm the Clergy Chick. From January 12, 2020 at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida, the text is Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 9. Here is my servant, whom I am uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, and from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you, of them. If you know the movie that this line comes from, let me know about it. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. What's that from? Mission Impossible. First started as a television series back in 1966. Some of you guys even remember that probably. I won't name any names. It had a revival in 1988, and then the hit movie series started in 1996, featuring Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt. 1996, how many years ago was that? A few. And Tom Cruise is getting older, and I think if he keeps making these Mission Impossible movies, we'll soon see Tom Cruise as Ethan Hunt on a walker. And his mission, should he choose to accept it, will be to try to remember why it was he went into the kitchen. What was that? (laughs) Those movies are uh, enjoyable. And I I think the people are in, in... love these movies, not because they want to be Ethan Hunt, the protagonist necessarily, but because Ethan Hunt is on a great adventure. He's the hero in the story. Psychologists tell us that each of us are the hero or the heroine in our own stories, and we see our life unfolding as as this adventure full of intrigue and drama and suspense and romance and betrayal. And in the movies, you, you wonder, how is this mission ever, this mission impossible, how will it ever be completed? We wonder that about our own lives. How will we, how will it all play out? But then Tom, a.k.a. Ethan Hunt, gets this message, your mission, should you choose to accept it. 
And the story begins that sets the course of the story in motion. And you and I might wonder, well, if only our mission were that clear. If only we got some recorded message from an authoritative figure. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. I want to suggest today, however, that we have a clear mission. As people of faith, our mission is every bit as clear as Ethan Hunt's mission. The question is, will we choose to accept it? Now, where is our mission clearly stated? Where is that, I wonder? Hmm, where might that be? I wonder where we might find our mission clearly stated. In the first four verses of the passage I read, there's a word that jumps out. The word is justice. And I want you to count, as I read only the first four verses, count how many times the word justice is repeated. Ready? You can use your fingers if it's hard to keep track, okay, like me. Here is my servant whom I am uphold, my chosen and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. Oh, you guys can remember better than me, I guess. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. How many times do you hear what the servant will do? Three, the servant will bring forth justice. Now when we think about that passage, we've got to remember who the prophet is writing to. The prophet is writing to a people who have seen their homeland, their nation, destroyed, who have witnessed the destruction, the complete decimation of the city of Jerusalem. And not only that, not only has their nation been taken over by a foreign oppressor, but all the best and all the brightest from the nation, from the Hebrew people, have been carted off into slavery in Babylonia, and now they're living as slaves in Babylon. Can you imagine the horrors that they have experienced? I can't. It's hard for me to fathom. And now they're living as slaves in Babylon, and you can imagine how hopeless they might feel. You can imagine how they might be wondering, where, where is God? God just allowed all this to happen? Where, where is God? Has God abandoned us? Or maybe our God just isn't as strong as the Babylonian god Marduk. While you and I may not know what it's like to live as a slave in a foreign country, we've known our share of hopelessness as individuals. And we've probably known our share of doubt. It's not foreign to us. In fact, the, the story of the national decline of the church in America and, and in Europe, I've got to believe that it's because people have kind of taken science and faith and decided that science maybe has the better argument. And so the decline of the church, and, and that's just among people who don't recognize what I believe to be the truth, that science and faith are completely simpatico. 
But unless you do the work, maybe you think science makes the better argument that, that is there a God? Where, where is God? And so we read this passage of Scripture, and Isaiah is promising the arrival of the servant who will bring forth what? Justice. And the scholars like to debate who this servant is. You know how the scholars are, right? You know, I always imagine scholars sitting around with pipes for some reason. So, <laughs> who is this servant? And they debate this. And one theory is that in the time of Isaiah that there was a person uh, that Isaiah maybe knew or that was actually alive in the 6th century, that the servant was an actual person alive at that time. So that's one theory from the scholars. The second theory from the scholars is that the servant was actually the, the people of faith. The community was the servant that would bring forth justice. And then... Uh, Third theory is that Jesus Christ was the servant who would bring forth justice. In fact, this was uh, popular among early Christians. The gospel writer Matthew makes it very clear when he quotes this very passage in the gospel of Matthew, saying that the servant is Jesus. That's the servant. Now, me, I'm inclined to think that all three of these ideas about who the servant is may have merit, that it's not either or, but both and, that there was maybe a person alive in the 6th century, that, that maybe the whole community is the servant, and that, yes, Jesus was the servant, and we can hold these all together, that there are multiple layers of meaning that the prophet wrote about without fully possibly even recognizing how deep the prophecy would go. And I'm also inclined to think that there might be a fourth interpretation. That the servant that would come and bring forth and reestablish justice here, that that servant was not necessarily the 6th century community of faith, but the 21st century community of faith. That you and I, that we, that we get to be the servant that brings forth justice here and now. Woo! <laughs> That's exciting that we get to be a part of that story of co-creating justice on earth with God. What a gift. If you were here last week, I posed two questions that seem to resonate with people, and so I'm going to reinvent them today. The questions were these. Number one, what, what breaks your heart? What, where do you find your compassion? And maybe it's watching those commercials of hungry kids in Africa, or maybe it's thinking about hungry kids here in Pinellas County. And so we raise money through Beach Walk to, to feed Folks facing food insecurity here in our, own, in our own community? Maybe it's domestic violence, that that, that, that breaks your heart, and so we, we raise money by walking down the beach to give money to an organization that helps take in families affected by domestic violence. Maybe it's the fires in Africa or a plane being shot down, and violence and war, and maybe it's a soldier in a situation that's dangerous, what, 
can be all of those. But what is it that breaks your individual unique heart? The second question is like it. You remember? What are you going to do about it? On November the 28th, 2016, a burning inferno swept across the Great Smoky Mountain National Park into Gatlinburg, Tennessee. If you know anything about me, you know that's my homeland. That's where my roots are deep. Family is there. I love that part of the country. It's home in a lot of ways. And so as I watched the, the newscast, and even in Kentucky where I was living at the time, I could smell, I could smell the smoke in the air. My heart broke for the people affected by that fire. And I, I did what little I could do, but, but those fires broke the heart of someone who had the means to do far more than I could ever hope or dream. And her name? Dolly Parton, or as I like to call her, Saint Dolly. <laughs> those fires, 14 people lost their lives, 190 people uh, were injured. Nearly 2,500 structures were damaged or completely destroyed. 17,000 acres were burned. And it broke Dolly's heart. And Dolly, with her heart breaking, said, what can I do about it? And Dolly said, I've got a foundation, and I've got a voice, and I've got a network, and I've got some money already, but I can raise more money. And so she had a telephone, and the result of her heartbreaking and her asking, what can I do about it, was the fact that she gave over $8 million to those affected by those fires. 875 residents of the Gatlinburg area got $10,000 each over the course of six months to help them rebuild their lives after losing everything. That's what it means to restore justice, to bring forth justice. It's, it's looking at what you care about and responding in whatever way you can, in some small way like I did after those fires, or in some large way if you have capacity, like Dolly. That's what it is to understand your mission and to choose to accept it. You see, this is, this is in our spiritual DNA, this, this urge to be co-creators with God and restoring justice. It's, it's here in this scripture, too. In verse 6 of what I just read to you, listen to this. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people. We are called by God. We are taken by God. We are kept by God's grace and mercy to be given. Given to what? What? What are we given to? Ah. To be a covenant to the people, a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. That's our mission. Will we accept it? Called, 
taken, kept, and given to be a light to the nations and hope for the peoples. This is our mission. Let us choose to accept it. This message will self-destruct in five seconds. Thanks for tuning in to the Clergy Chick Podcast. Until next time, keep on shining.